Stir up your strength, O God, and come to help us. In the name of the one who was and is and is to come. Amen. Well, preaching after the Christmas pageant at 9 a.m., the barnyard service, feels something like we're here with about a minute and a half left in the fourth quarter of the last football game of the regular season. The home team is up by 24 points. The winning fans are off to get a head start on the victory party. The losers pour out of the stadium, attempting to at least beat the traffic as they sulk. All that's left are the coaches and the officials, the stadium staff, the players, the marching band, and a few faithful fans. So I wonder, what keeps you here in the stands to the bitter end of this Advent? Do you simply balk at fair weather fans? Are you like those who need to taste and see the fullness of victory, to see it on the scoreboard and hear that final fight song? Are you here for moral support and the sense of community? Or are you just deflated? perhaps paralyzed by a sure defeat as you sit in silence and lament? Are you hoping for a miracle as we light that last candle? Whatever your answer, I am glad that you are here. As we wait, pause, listen together. As we persist in embracing the not yet of Advent in a world whose storehouses are already pregnant with Valentine's Day commodities. Before the season is over, Advent throws us one more Hail Mary, literally. As our, wow, y'all are really lively for the 11:15. As our service this morning beckons us to pay attention, to linger in the waiting just another moment, as we consider the episode in Luke known as the Visitation of Mary and Elizabeth, Luke's narrative is whimsical, if not absurd. After the unwed teenage mother says yes to the angel Gabriel's announcement that she is to bear a son whose name is to be Jesus, who will be the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the story picks up this morning as Mary runs with haste to the hill country to visit her relative Elizabeth, who has also experienced a recent miraculous conception, becoming pregnant at an advanced age with John the Baptist. Jesus and John, messenger and message, breaking into the world in the most whimsical of ways through the least likely of subjects. Mary's impulse to find and connect with Elizabeth, is one we can all relate to. We have each had revelations, traumas, bewilderments that only those who have faced similar situations can really understand. Experiences that have led us into a new understanding that causes us to say, ah, now I get it, and I have to talk to fill in the blank. She will understand He will get me. For instance, you may remember the traumatic miracle 
of U.S. Airways Flight 1549, which successfully landed in the Hudson River in 2009, yielding zero casualties. Survivors spoke afterwards of their deep and primal draw to have a reunion, simply to be together with those who could understand what they had experienced in a way that no one else could. Just as I suspect Mary sought understanding and solidarity from Elizabeth, I wonder, too, if she didn't desire to lend a mutual comfort to Elizabeth, to let her know that she believed her and that she wasn't alone. Perhaps the underlying question, whenever we seek such confirmation, is simply this. We've all been there. Am I crazy? Please tell me if I am crazy. And if I am crazy, at least tell me that you're a little crazy, too, and that you love me anyway. That's where Mary and Elizabeth find themselves this morning. And they offer one another just the reassurance that they both need. As Scripture says, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. As John the Baptist leaps in Elizabeth's womb, we begin to see the signs of a God who is about to flip this world upside down, upending our expectations and subverting the status quo. In Mary, God's blessing goes beyond mere luck or good fortune, being identified not in that which is glamorous or powerful or impressive, but instead that which is humble and meek. In Mary... God's blessing is embodied in a vulnerable, poor, unwed teenage mother with a story no one in their right mind would buy. And despite Mary and Elizabeth's mutual reassurances, it is a crazy story. Reflecting further on the theme of blessing, our own presiding bishop, Michael Curry, writes in his book, Crazy Christians, that what the world calls wretched, Jesus calls blessed. Blessed are the poor and the poor in spirit. Blessed are the merciful, the compassionate. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst that God's righteousness might prevail. Blessed are those who work for peace. Blessed are you when you are persecuted just for trying to love and do what is good. Jesus was crazy, and we need some Christians who are as crazy as the Lord. Bishop Curry writes, Crazy enough to love like Jesus, to give like Jesus, to forgive like Jesus, to do mercy, love, justice, walk humbly with God like Jesus. Crazy enough to dare to change the world from the nightmare it often is into something close to the dream that God dreams for it. We need some crazy Christians. This crazy dream for God's world is echoed in Mary's response to Elizabeth immediately following today's passage when she sings her famous song known as the Magnificat. We didn't read it earlier because the rest of the service will include at least three more musical settings and paraphrases of it, 
But it is a song of promise, a song of justice, a song of hope, based in God's faithfulness to the people Israel, soon revealed and extended to the whole world through the one growing in Mary's own womb. It is anything but meek. It is bold, impassioned, courageous. The proud are brought low and the lowly are lifted up. The hungry are filled and the rich sent empty away. And yet before any of these global implications are named, Mary's song begins with a deeply personal proclamation. My soul magnifies the Lord, she sings, as one whose very heart, mind, body, and soul have come into contact with the divine. Anchored in this deeply intimate experience, she goes on to emanate praises to the God who comes to set the whole world free. This is the mystery of the God whose incarnation in time and space we will soon celebrate in Jesus of Nazareth. The mystery that the God revealed in particularity points to a universal reality. But whereas Mary's song invites us to magnify the Lord, to expand our imagination of who God is and how God might act in the world and in our lives, scholar Daryl Guder of Princeton Seminary suggests that the tendency of Western Christianity through the Middle Ages, the Reformation, and into the present day has far too often been not to magnify God, but rather to reduce God and the good news of God and Christ to a manageable commodity with predictable outcomes. For instance, there's the version of Christianity we in the Bible Belt all know that is concerned almost exclusively with convincing people to make a decision for Christ in order to be assured of eternal salvation. On the other hand, there's a version of Christianity which reduces the faith to a set of moral and ethical principles taught by one of many great teachers, but irrespective of the particular story of Jesus. These are just two of many examples of ways we reduce Christianity. And both of these reductions do have value and truth. And yet neither captures the fullness of the gospel. Yes, in Christ we can have assurance of everlasting life. And yet such assurance is a benefit of following Jesus. Not the sole purpose to which he calls us. Likewise, while an ethic of love for neighbor, self, and creation is at the core of Jesus' teachings and of most major faith traditions, a failure to acknowledge God as the source and sustenance for such virtue can foster almost a kind of functional atheism, robbing ourselves of the good news that we need not rely on our own strength and moral fortitude alone to bear the burdens of the world. Perhaps the greatest gift of Advent is that even in the darkness, even as we wait, we are never alone. 
For in the community of the saints, we always have at least one another. When Mary doesn't know what else to do, she finds Elizabeth. She finds connection. She finds community. She shows up. She finds one to whom she can tell her story and sing her song without fear of judgment or shame. As she tells of a God who is turning the world upside down with justice, mercy, and compassion. I think Michael Curry is right. We need some crazy Christians. Those called into a community of blessing in order to bless the community. Those set apart from the world for the sake of the world. People from every language and culture and people and nation who are called to sing a new song, to tell a new story, to point to a creation brimming with possibility and a world pregnant with divine life and love. Each of us, in all of our unique eccentricities, vulnerabilities, particularities, peculiarities, with all our fears and hopes, each of us bears within us the image of God. Together, we magnify the Lord. So wherever you are in that proverbial stadium this morning, however you got here, whatever you're looking for, I am glad that you're here. Together with Mary and Elizabeth and all the faithful from every age, may we find among the saints this day a place of belonging, of community, of connection. Nothing more than a band of crazy Christians that shows up for one another and for this world as we wait, sing, and hope together.